For 45 years, my wife and I have parted company in the morning in the same way. I get a little sugar. I'm not leaving the house without a kiss. But there's this buoyant, cheerful person every morning for 45 years. And I'm wondering, how can anybody be that cheerful, let alone in the morning? Years ago, I asked her, why are you like that every morning? And she had this to say. I've never forgotten it. She said, every morning, I think, if this were the last time I ever saw him, what would I want him to remember? You know, I'm about to go on my yearly July sabbatical where I get with the Lord and I ask for your prayers because I, I want to listen to him about the future. But it crossed my mind, if this were the last sermon I were to ever preach to you, what would I want you to remember? Now I'll be with you all during that month. I'll worship uh, with you online whenever I can. I'll be giving. I hope you do too. Summer's rough on churches, so keep giving. But, but the point is, the Bible says don't count on tomorrow. Don't presume on tomorrow. If this were the last message I were ever to preach to you, this is what I would want you to remember. We are going through the parables, and we come to this ending parable with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Let me set this context. Jesus has just preached his greatest and longest sermon recorded in Scripture. In Matthew, it's chapters 5 through 7. <clears throat> and he gets to the end, and he has this to say. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he says... Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You know what he just said at the end of his sermon? I didn't give this for your listening pleasure. I gave this to change your life. And unless you do this, you haven't heard this. He's even more blunt in Luke 46.6 where Jesus looks at them and says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Here's the question. Is your faith doable? Here's even the more precise question. Are you doing your faith? Are you acting out what you believe? Very important. This is kind of, the, kind of the, the punctuation point at the end of that, of the, of the end of that sermon. It's, it's, it's a parable of sorts, a parable because so many would do this in the culture in which they lived. It says in Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded 
on a rock. <clears throat> Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great <clears throat> was its fall. Is your faith theoretical or actual? Is it something that you have in your thoughts and beliefs or is it something that yields a different kind of behavior? This is what it says in James chapter 2 verse 24. It says you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, hold up here. This doesn't mean you earn your salvation. This doesn't mean that your works do anything that is worthy of any of us being in heaven. What this means is, unless you have the kind of faith that results in works, you merely have a belief system, not a faith. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> do you want God to do something for you or do you want him to give you a boost? <laughs> there, uh, the reason I ask that question, there's a, uh, Eileen Cleary uh, is five feet tall. I see them being five feet tall. It's kind of cute with a woman, a little rough for a man. That's a sexist comment, I realize, but being a short person, uh, I've lived this. She doesn't mind it until she goes to the store. And there's stuff on the shelves she can't reach. Even stepping on the bottom thing she can't. And she was there one day. And the macaroni she wanted was on the top shelf. And she couldn't get to it. Well, this tall, lanky stock boy was coming down the aisle. And she said, you know, <laughs> I'm a little short on one end here. Can't reach that macaroni up there. Can you, can you help me out? He said, oh, sure. And then he did this. Ready? <laughs> do you want a God to do it for you? Or do you want a God to help you do it? See, there's some things only God can do. For that... We go to God and say, God, I can't, I can't do this. But for most things, God wants to empower us to be his gospel in the world, to be his presence in the world, to be his love in the world, to be his service in the world. For most things. Now, here's where I want to start with this parable. I want to start with the end and work toward the beginning. I want to tell you something that is a danger. And it's, a, it's especially pertinent danger for the culture in which we live. Let me start out with verse 26 of Matthew 7. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and, and slammed against that house and it fell and, the, and great was its fall. Do you know what sand is? Here's the dictionary definition. 
a loose, granular substance. A loose, granular substance. If it were to go on and tell you more, it might say, and it's given to disassembly. It leans toward disassembly. What is this culture like? It's a loose, granular culture. We've been trained to think in bits. And we've been trained, watch this, to kind of come apart. Under certain circumstances, those bits just kind of come apart. There's great divisions in our culture right now. We've been trained to think in 30-second segments. We've been trained, watch this, to put our faith as a basis simply for answering certain questions or facing certain circumstances or struggling with certain conundrums, but we haven't put it all together where it's a solid rock no matter what comes. We live, you've heard this term before, in a post-modern era. That means essentially that people don't believe there's just one answer anymore. They don't believe there's just one narrative. They believe every little bit has, has, uh, has, is its own reality and has its own truth. And so we've kind of given up. And so this is how we live our life. Our faith becomes, what do we answer when somebody comes to us and say, what do you believe about? And so there's this little answer to that little question. Or somebody comes to us and say, what would you do if? Or what does the Bible say about it? Or, or why would we believe the Bible when there's all these other, you know? One time, Ravi Zacharias was, was in Columbus, Ohio. He was going to give a, a lecture at Ohio State University. And in Columbus, Ohio, I'm a Buckeye, I'm a, I'm, 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 and I've been, in, I've been in Columbus many times. And it's, this is on High Street for those of you who are, are from Columbus. There is the Wexner um, Center for Art, and it is a laboratory, watch this, and a, um, 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 a showcase for modern art. And so Robbie, Robbie was in a, a, in a taxi cab and he was going toward this, this center and, and, and the cabbie, I told you last week, always listen to cabbies because that's the man on the street right there. And, 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 they're, and, and they're traveling past this place and the cabbie's given a running, running commentary. He said, this, that place is nuts. He said, what do you mean? He said, they've got pillars that don't support anything. They've got staircases, staircases leading to nowhere. And Ravi said, huh. He said, yeah, there's all kinds of weird configurations. And Ravi said, did they do that with the foundation? And the, and the cabbie said, you couldn't do with that foundation. The building had fall down. There's the point. Let me, let me give you just a few, because this is highly resembling, resemblance of our, of our culture. This is the entrance to 
the Waxner Museum of Art, or not museum, I'm sorry, the Center for Art. They don't import any other art. They, this is, this is, this is they, they, they generate art. It's a, it's a scaffolding. It basically says the world is open. It, it, it's whatever you're building at the time that really counts. There are no firm answers. It's, it's whatever you're in process dealing with. You take a look inside and you'll see some pretty interesting exhibits. Let me show you one. I love this one. This is an exhibit inside this museum. What does this say? You're always on your way to someplace. And you pack as much as you can, but you're always on, you're never settled. You're always on your way to someplace else. Let me show you my favorite. A shopping cart going in a circle. To them, that's what our society is. That's what our culture is. It's just shopping. What else do I need? What else can I get? See? I show you these pictures because there's some truth in these. This is, this is resemblant of our culture. It's a good reminder. There's a, there's a part of the Bible that talks about people who are always trying to discover a new truth, always trying to make a new application, always facing a new circumstance. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, this is what it says. They are always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, there's something tremendously destabilizing. In both of the instances of this parable, the storm will come. In your life, the storm will come. Here's my question. Will your faith hold up? Because if your faith is merely answers to catastrophes, or to conundrums, unanswerable questions, or to change, or to circumstances, it won't hold up. It's not firm enough. There are not enough answers in the world to make us understand that which we can't understand. We need something more than that. We need the maturity that comes only in Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 that the goal, our goal, and the goal of the leaders that God gives us is so that we can all, until we, it puts it like this, that we're being built up until we attain to the unity of the faith. There it is, unity. Not granular. Not answers here and there, but a solidarity that can support anything we're going through. Watch this. Support us in anything we're going through. Do you feel solid no matter how destabilized your life is? Do you feel firm? Do you feel secure? Do you feel assured? No matter what the storm is. And the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man 
to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now watch this. As a result, we are no longer to be children, look at these words, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. There's the storm. There's the waves. There's the wind. God wants us to have more than that. So let's go to the rock. Let's go to the house that was built on the rock. The rock in this instance is not just accurate theology. There is accurate theology. That's why Jesus came down. That's why the word became flesh. So that we could be taught, watch this, that theology wasn't a thought, it was a life. Theology isn't a thought, it's a life. And so it's not just merely do we correctly understand God. Our minds are too small ever to correctly understand God. It is rather this, do we understand well enough to act on what we understand? That's the question. Not do you know enough, but will you act on what you do know? This is what we pray every week, almost every week in this church. This is what Jesus taught us to pray. Matthew 6:10. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done. Don't shape my mind in order that I can know, you know, more than, but don't, don't, I don't have to have a comprehensive understanding of everything. Frankly, not many of us want to carry that around. And, and, and the rest of us are too busy with what actually is life to, 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 to take the whole thing, you know, to even have room for the whole thing. I heard this story once about this woman who's, who's just looking out her, it's, it's trash day, and, and, and she's looking out her front window. And somebody had placed this huge couch on the curb to be taken away by the trash people. Well, she looked at it, it was, it was a pretty couch. It must just got a new couch because this was in really good shape. But it was huge. And so cars were driving, this was a fairly well-traveled street, and she just watched a while, you know, and cars would drive down the street and they'd just stop because they had this little sign up free. And it was really in good shape. It was a pretty couch. But they'd stop for a while and then they'd just move on because none of them could put something that big in their car or wondering if it was worth toting around something that big or coming back for something. Finally, this little bitty compact car comes down the street, stops right, right in front of that couch. She's thinking to herself, oh, this ought to be good. Yeah, I can't wait to see how they do this. Two big guys get out of that compact car, they go over to the couch and they take off the cushions. They get on either end of the couch. They turn it upside down and just start shaking it. All these coins just start falling out. When there were no more coins, they put the couch back, put the cushions back, picked up the coins and took off. Here's what I'm saying. 
You don't have to have the whole couch. Get the change, forgive the pun, get the change and move on. You don't have to cart around everything that you think you should know. What we have to do is apply what we do know. Be able to spend literally what we have gotten from God. Here's the second question. The first question is your, is your, is your faith uh, uh, actual or, or theoretical? Here's the second question. Is your faith scattered or focused? See, sand is a scatterable thing. Rocks are not. A rock is not a scatterable thing. This is what God gave us. He gave us this wonderful, focused, simple source of salvation. Not just after we live, after, after we live, but while we live. You all know this verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, now the word believe here in, 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 the, in the Greek is pistis, and it means trusts, lives, depends upon, puts his whole life into. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, that's not a scattered faith. That's not a, a faith of a thousand answers. It's one guy, one person, God in the flesh. Love him, follow him. Live according to him. That's all you need. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, this is what it says. It says, for you have been called for this purpose. Singular. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. See, if you never hear from me again, that's what I want you to remember. Following the steps of Jesus. It's not a question, are storms going to come into my life? Holy cow. As long as you live, there's going to be storms. There are different types of storms, and some of you are going through these right now. They're testing storms like Job went through. Some of you are saying, is there anything else that can go wrong? Don't ask that question. <laughs> Some of yours are temp your, 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 your storms are temptation storms where someone has made themselves available for something you know is not right. They're Joseph and Potiphar's household storms. And you're just trying to get through. Follow Jesus out of there. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will give you a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Follow Jesus. For some of you, the storm is grief right now. You're still hurting because somebody you love is not there anymore. Something you always thought you could count on. Not there anymore. I want you to remember Lazarus. 
I want you to remember his sisters who came to Jesus with a statement of both faith and condemnation. This is what they said to Jesus after their brother died. Jesus, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Some of you are saying that same thing to God. God, if you'd, if you'd been with him, he wouldn't have died. Really? No, it turns out that was God's plan. But you struggle, how can I have faith? If you're following Jesus, how can you not? Some of you are struggling with a whole life of regret right now and not a little shame. The way the woman at the well lived until she met Jesus and realized he could use her just like she was. As a matter of fact, more powerfully because she had made the mistakes that she did. You understand the storms don't cause us to fall when our lives are based on Jesus because he is the only solid thing in this world or after. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 11. It says, it says, no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Pete was right. We try to base our security on a whole bunch of stuff that will all fold. It'll all be gone, either before death or after death. It'll all be gone. The only thing that will remain is Jesus Christ. The only thing. It says in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus is the same to yesterday and today and forever. He's as solid as a rock. I was telling this to our staff the other day. We're, we're going through some changes, pretty significant changes here at church. And everybody feels a little bit destabilized when you're going through changes. And so I was talking about no need to be destabilized. You know, Jesus is the same before the change as after the, after the change. And I remembered this story I heard a long time ago. True story about this, about this lighthouse that had failed uh, outside uh, on, uh, in, in the northeast somewhere. I can't remember where. Um, but there was a great storm that was happening and, and, and boats couldn't see where the shoreline was. And the, and the townspeople went out and built fires so that they could see where the shoreline was. But for one boat, it was too late. He had gotten in so close, crashed against the rocks, and they could see that this occupant had been thrown out, but to his great fortune or misfortune, he had been thrown on a rock. And he clung to that rock, and for two hours, they could not get to him. It was physically impossible to get to him. For two hours, those waves crashed against him. For two hours, that wind blew against him. Finally, there was a lull in the storm enough that they could form a chain and get out to him and drag him to shore. He was exhausted as he lay there. 
And they began to talk with him. Are you okay? He said, I think so. They said, that must have been terrible. He said, it was. Somebody said, you must have shaken the entire time. And he said, I did, but the rock didn't. It's okay to shake, but grab on to the rock that doesn't.